Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner, Kevin Zivna, coming to you live like we always do every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name city you're calling from and no matter what i'm talking about if it's important to you then it's important to us we'll get you right on air 627-7979 that's 757-627-7979 wealthwave financial advisors is the proud sponsor of dollars and common sense we are an independent registered investment advisor which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. That's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it as a choice. Because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, with the economy, with insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 403bs, TSPs, IRAs, Roth IRAs, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. If you're wondering where my broadcast partner, Allison DeBrill, is, she is on a little summer sabbatical for a few months. So away, relaxing, taking in some of others' life joys and pleasures. Uh, I'll be with you solo for the next uh, few shows. And tonight, we're going to talk about financial wellness. Financial wellness. What is it? How to get it? And how to keep it? So financial wellness uh, is a state of being where a person can fully meet current and ongoing financial obligations, can feel secure in their financial future, and is able to make choices that allow the enjoyment of life. And the reason that financial wellness is so important is because the overwhelming majority of Americans are not financially well. And it's somewhat of uh, a shame and a crime that in one of the wealthiest nations on the planet that uh, more of us don't feel financially well. And in fact, according to a Federal Reserve Board survey recently, more than three quarters of U.S. families report having debt and 45% of families carry credit card debt. 
with an average balance of $6,300. Among those families surveyed, 36% indicated they could not cover an emergency, emergency expense of even $400. And then more than 40% had not been able to save money over the previous year. So when those are the conditions that exist in this country, most of us probably don't feel financially well. We'll try to help you out here with some tips and techniques to do that tonight. Also, personal finances affect people emotionally. So from a study from the American Psychological Association last year, 65% of Americans surveyed say money is a significant source of stress. 65% money is a significant source of stress. For people under age 43, that figure jumps to 82%. So the overwhelming majority of people below the age of 43 are stressed out. And of course they are because they've got families and spouses and kids and cars and houses and mortgages and saving for college perhaps and trying to save for retirement. All these competing interests happening at once and they feel like they can't do it all. Well, you can't do it all at once, but you can take little bite-sized pieces and put yourself on the path to financial wellness if you take the right steps. Americans say that personal finance issues affect their mental health, their physical health, sleep, self-esteem, relationships at home, and work productivity and attendance. And we all know that it does because when we're stressed out about money, then everything else seems more difficult and more harder. Now, financial wellness differs from financial literacy or financial knowledge, I guess you could say. Financial literacy knowledge is about understanding the concepts and tools you can use to manage your money. So it's about knowing kind of what to do. But financial wellness is a matter of taking steps to improve your financial life. So Financial wellness has an action component to, to it. You have to do something. It's not enough to just know what to do. You have to then actually do it. It's not enough to know what weights to lift. You have to lift the weights. It's not enough to know how far to run. You've got to go out and run. It's not enough to do the downward dog in, <laughs> in yoga, right? You've got to do it. You've got to exercise. You've got to move if you want to be physically well. You've got to take action. Well, the same concept applies for financial wellness. It's about taking action on healthy financial activities. Financial wellness is a more holistic approach than simply being financially literate. It encompasses more than an individual's financial knowledge. It involves all of an individual's feelings with regard to money. So there's an emotional component to financial wellness. When we are financially well, we feel emotionally well. We feel all those other stressors tend to recede into the background. We sleep better. We're more kind and compassionate to our family. We're more productive at work when we have our finance, uh, when we are financially well. So I'm going to talk about a few uh, steps that you can take 
in order to get financially well. There are some uh, specific concepts that uh, we can deliver and some action steps that I can share with you about how to get there. And we're going to do that right after these short messages. Uh, if you want to jump in on this conversation or anything having to do with your own personal situation, give me a call on the studio line, 627-7979. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner, Kevin Zivna. I'm the president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at Wealthway Advisors. All right, tonight we're talking about financial wellness. What is it? How to get it? How to keep it? Financial wellness, state of being, where a person can fully meet current and ongoing financial obligations, can feel secure in their financial future, and is able to make choices that allow enjoyment of life. And so before I get into some of the steps on how to achieve financial wellness, we got a caller on the line. We have Chuck in Norfolk. Good evening, Chuck. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Uh, hi, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question has to do with um, Medicare and the supplemental um, cost of it once you start um, using Medicare. Um, and I, I, I know that it's based on your income. So, for example, if you make below a certain amount, I think the cost this year is like $175 per month. Um, the situation is this, um, I'm still working, my wife's still working, and um, our combined income it, it would put us at the next level of, of Medicare payment. And it would be like, I don't know, $375 a month for myself and 375 for my, my wife because of our combined income. The question I have is when we retire and we do not have that level of income, I know that the Medicare people, they look back at your prior earnings to set the amount of money you're to pay. Are you following me? Yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Now, with that being said, how long do you have to, or how many years you have to pay that when you're not really making that? Does that make sense? Yeah. So what they usually do is they base it off of your um, adjusted gross income that you file on your tax return. So, in the, you know, you, you file your tax return by April 15th of the year following the year in which you made all that income. And that and the year in which you made all that income, you also 
paying a surcharge uh, for the Medicare premium. So when your income reduces, your earned income either is eliminated or reduced because you're retired and, and not drawing a paycheck anymore, then um, the following year when you do your taxes again, you'll have a lower adjusted gross income. Uh, Medicare Social Security can look at that and then should automatically reduce the amount of the um, Medicare premium surcharge. However, if you know this is going, so is it, so I guess in one sense, it would happen naturally through the course of events, but there would be a rather, rather long lag or delay before you would see a reduction. So one of the things you can do uh, in that year, if you know you're gonna have reduced income, is um, petition uh, Medicare Social Security program, let them know that you have reduced income that year, and there's a way to get that surcharge reduced sooner. I don't have the intricate details on how to do that, but obviously the uh, Social Security Administration's website is the best place to go to find out this information. So it can be done. Just know that. So you can basically petition them with the future, um, but it but it does still sound like there is going to be this lag time till your adjusted gross income falls back below that particular um, earnings rate. Well, yeah, if you essentially certify that your income in a given year is going to be much lower than the previous year, they will reduce that premium much sooner. So the, so there, the lag time will be much shorter uh, by going through oh. this process. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. thank you so much for answering my question. Yeah. All right. You're welcome, Chuck. Thanks for the call. 627-7979. If you want to jump in on the conversation here or have any questions relating to your own personal financial situation, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. Today, talking about financial wellness, what it is, how to get it, how to keep it. So we've defined financial wellness. It has a emotional com- component. All of money really has a strong emotional component. But when we feel good about our finances, then we feel uh, good about a lot of other things in life. So how do we start doing that? Step one, you got to take control of your finances. Step two, prepare for the unexpected. And step three, make progress towards your long-term goals. You take those three steps, then you are going to be well on your way to financial wellness, if not actually very financially well. So let's jump into some of the details concerning each of those steps. So step one, take control of your finances. How do you do that? Well, starts by creating a budget that works for you. I can hear everybody laughing across Hampton Roads right now. I know you're not going to create a budget. 98% of people do not create or follow a budget. So since the reality of the situation is that is not going to happen for most people, um, what I usually suggest is that you create a rudimentary budget. At least do or know these two things. How much take-home pay you have each month on average, and then of that take-home pay, how much are you committing to long-term savings like your company retirement plan 
or uh, IRA plans or money that is truly saved for long term, not money that just goes into the savings account, sits there for, for a few months until the trip to Cancun and then gets spent. That's not savings. That's delayed spending. Uh, I'm talking about actual long term savings. So just those two things, your net take home pay, and then you cannot wait until the end of the month to see what's left over to try to save. You have to commit to savings first and whatever's left over, then you live within those means. So for example, let's say a household income is $10,000 a month. Well, then uh, you know that through your company retirement plan and other long-term saving vehicles, you're saving $2,000 of that 10 each month. That means you're spending $8,000 a month. There's your budget. Okay, so that's how simple budgeting can be. Just having control of those basic big picture numbers can go a long way to set uh, setting a good solid foundation towards fin- financial wellness. Then after you get that sort of those budgetary numbers in line, you want to do what I was just talking about: maximize your employer matched savings uh, retirement plans. So. Most employers who offer retirement plans, IRA, um, uh, 401k, 43b, TSP, 457 plans, um, simple IRAs, most employers that offer retirement plans also match as an incentive some of the employee's contributions. The typical match that we see is that uh, the employer will contribute 3% of the employee's salary up to 6% of the employee the employee's contribution. So if you contribute 6, then your employer will match that with 3% and you are effectively contributing 9% of your gross salary. So make sure you are taking advantage of any company retirement plans that you have. It's one of the easiest and best ways to get started on a path to to take control of your finances. If you aren't contributing to your company retirement plan uh, and you have one, that is your project for tomorrow morning. You go to payroll or you go to human resources or you go to the website that manages your paycheck and you sign up and you start contributing to your company retirement plan. If they have matching funds, you are leaving money on the table. You are only hurting yourself if you aren't taking advantage of a company retirement plan with matching funds. Okay, next, make sure you pay all your bills on time. Pay at least the monthly minimum as this will reduce costs over time and improve your credit score. So one of the last things you want to do um, in order to create financial wellness is not pay your bills on time. Not paying your bills on time, not paying your debts on time will show up on your credit report. Not paying your credit card on time will show up on your credit report. Not paying your car loan will show up on your credit report. Not paying your utility bills won't show up on your credit report initially, but if you skip out on rent or something like that with or um, a place where you're living and there's still utilities out, that will go to collections and that will show up on your credit report. So at a minimum, you have to commit to paying all the bills 
on time, um, and you don't want them to go to delinquent. And by on time, typically you have 30 days past the due date before it would show up delinquent on a credit report. But make sure you're paying them on time. If you're paying your bills on time, no matter how hard that feels some months, at least you have control of that aspect of your financial life and you're putting your, setting yourself up for success. And then finally, under step one, take control of your finances, avoid high interest debt. High interest debt, credit cards, um, some personal loans, payday loans, stay away from high interest debt. It's a death spiral when it comes to successful finances and it's very hard to get out of once you get into it. All right, we're gonna have to pause here, take a break for the news. We'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm certified financial planner, Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on Newstalk 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner, Kevin Zivna. I'm the president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you Got some nuanced questions, want to talk to a live human being, we'd love to hear from you in the office, 456-2200. Want to remind everybody, our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, June 27th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch this show show live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m., get it as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download us, take us with you wherever you go and you can listen at your leisure. And for those of you into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. Search for Wealthway Financial Advisors, hit that like button, and about once every month you see a informative and interesting financial planning post. All right, tonight we're talking about financial wellness, what it is, how to get it, how to keep it. If you wanna jump in on the conversation or have any questions about your own financial situation, 627-7979 on the studio line. So financial wellness, we said step one, take control of your finances, create that budget, or at least a really rudimentary budget to understand the big picture of where your money's going. Two, maximize your uh, employer retirement plans. Make sure you're getting the matching funds that are available in most uh, employee reti- employer retirement plans. Then make sure you pay all bills on time and avoid high interest rate debt, and that is taking control of the basics of your finances and put you on a good solid footing. All right, step two, 
prepare for the unexpected. After you've got control of the basics, know that life is always out there waiting to throw you a curveball. So it can provide uh, great amounts of peace of mind and serenity knowing that if life, or I should say, when life throws you a curveball, flat tire, uh, broken radiator, hole in the roof, water heater that doesn't work, all those things that crop up from time to time that we don't plan for, uh, knowing that you have reserves and a plan in place to deal with those uh, unexpected events in life, unexpected financial events, can help give you peace of mind, help you sleep at e- sleep easy at night, be better around your kids, be happier with your spouse, be more enjoyable at work, knowing that you've got the unexpected covered. So how do you do that? Well, step number one, we got to set up that emergency fund, right? At least, at least have a couple thousand dollars. This is the bare minimum. Have a couple thousand dollars of cash-ish sitting around in a bank account. Um, It's not earning much these days. We know that. But in a true savings bank account, it's not part of your checking account. It's not something that you can get to as easily or as readily as your checking account. Can't use your debit card. uh, Can't set up an ACH, uh, you know... um, you can go to Amazon and have it automatically deducted. Should be set aside a little bit. Just at least a couple thousand dollars, that covers the bare minimum. But then beyond that, a true emergency fund, as we define it in the financial planning pr- profession, is to have about three to six months of expenses in that reserve emergency savings account. Completely liquid. Easy, easily accessed in the event of emergency, but not too easily accessible that you're liable to spend it. And then you have to maintain the self-discipline to know that that's not money for the trip to Cancun. That's for true life emergencies. Three to six months of your regular expenses. So as my earlier example on the show, let's say your monthly household expenses are uh, after your savings, eight thousand dollars a month. So you want to have uh, twenty-four to thirty-six thousand dollars of money set aside in the savings account to protect against true life emergencies. And some of those take the form of unexpected job loss, layoff, merger. Um, even though government employment is among the most reliable and stable, there still have been uh, layoffs and um, uh, what was it? What was it when the uh, the budget when they have the budget issue? Yeah, um, yeah, the tip of my tongue too. Yeah, um, for, uh, for, yeah well, yeah, what, that, that, it can happen to government employees too. We'll think about that later. Um, and then, so you want to make sure you have three to six months of. Uh, expenses built up in your savings account. Uh, And that prevents you from having to use expensive debt like credit card debt. And it keeps you out of, you use credit cards for convenience, use it for points if if you do something like that. But you don't want to carry your credit card balance over each month and incur an interest charge because that's among the most expensive uh, 
debt that you can occur and some of the highest cost interest rates that you have to endure. That emergency fund protects that from happening. All right. Then you want to evaluate your insurance needs, the coverages, and the cost. So having insurance is uh, a necessary and prudent part of a good financial plan. So what types of insurance? You need health insurance, right? Of course you do. You need life insurance for people who are dependent upon you for your income. You need disability insurance. In most cases, uh, having some sort of disability insurance uh, plan in place is prudent. You are far more likely to be disabled for some period of time over your life than you are to die prematurely. So one can make the case that disability insurance is even more important, more likely to protect you than life insurance, even though it is utilized much less than life insurance. And then, of course, you want to have your, you, you have to have vehicle insurance. You have to have um, homeowner's insurance if you own a home. All these insurances are necessary, some required uh, by either mortgage companies or, or the government. Um, so you want to have make sure you have those insurances in place. And, uh, you know, for a time there, before Obamacare, there were there were a lot of people, young people, especially young male people, who uh, would go without health insurance because they're young and healthy and 10 feet tall and bulletproof and nothing was ever going to happen to them until it does, until they uh, twist an ankle playing beach volleyball or get into a car accident. Um, so... And when something like that happens, all it takes is one trip to the emergency room, and you're looking at at least ten to fifteen thousand dollars of a bill without insurance. So having health insurance is um, extremely important. In fact, I usually say after your your rent or mortgage is taken care of, and all your other um, basic expense for food, uh, utilities, and so forth. Health insurance is one of the most important insurances uh, to have because uh, it protects you against uh, highly probable catastrophic losses. And due to the makeup of how we get healthcare in this country, uh, regular routine office visits uh, for wellness visits are also good for pre preventive measures as well. So you've got to have certain types of insurances in place to protect against the catastrophic type of losses. Now, one of the things we don't want to do with insurance, or, or I should say, what we want to do with insurance is use it wisely. The primary purpose of insurance is to protect against those big, uncertain, um, disruptive, potentially catastrophic financial losses that one could incur. A fire in your house, that trip to the emergency room, or worse. Those type of things can be financially ruinous. So that means insurance is a good use uh, of protection in those cases. But what we don't really want to do is insure small losses, small um, events that can be absorbed out of our regular cash flow or out of our emergency fund. So for a lot of people, that means not having too low of a deductible. You don't, you don't want to have, you know, we're so used to getting an office visit 
to the doctors like 20 bucks. You know, it's not really 20 bucks, but that's what we've been conditioned to think because we've had such low deductibles on a lot of health plans. But with higher deductible health plans, now you can use it uh, usually. Uh, you, you pay more when you incur health care. So an office visit is maybe 150 bucks, but then you can pay for that out of your emergency fund if you need to. And you still have coverage on the top end so that if you have a catastrophic uh, issue, then that is covered. So use your deductibles wisely and don't have two, if you have a good solid emergency fund, you don't need your deductibles to be that low. You don't want to pay the insurance company for protection on the low end that you don't need, okay? So watch, use insurance, but use it wisely. And the last thing you can do to prepare for the unexpected, get your legal documents in order to ensure that your wishes are realized in the event of your death. And I know nobody likes to think about this. And in fact, in our practice, this is usually the last thing that we get people to do, but take care of their estate plan. And that means establish wills. At a minimum, get beneficiaries set up properly on your retirement account at work, on your bank accounts, on IRAs, any, any type of uh, account that can have a beneficiary, make sure you add a beneficiary. That can be more effective in many cases in the estate planning process than actually wills. And then also designate a power of attorney for finances and a power of attorney for health care so that if you are in a serious accident, you have somebody who can speak on your behalf to the medical pr providers um, and also can conduct business if you were laid up in the hospital for some period of time with banks and uh, with utility companies and other people that you have to pay. So get those legal documents in order in case something would happen to you, um, uh, either a premature death or a significant uh, accident as well. All right. Step one, take control of those finances. Step two, prepare for the unexpected. When we come back, we will talk about step three, make progress towards your long-term goals. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. I'm from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. You can also request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to that contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu. We'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, June 27th. Next live show, that is. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, then get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense 
wherever you get your podcast. Download us and take us with you wherever you go, and you can listen at your leisure. Um, for those of you hoping to tune in to hear my smarter broadcast partner, uh, Allison DeBrill, she's on a little summer sabbatical for a few months. Uh, so I'll be going solo for the next few shows, but look forward to her return uh, pretty soon. Tonight we're talking about financial wellness and what you can do to get it and keep it. And over the break there, Damien came up with the word I was searching for about what can happen to government employees that would cause you to tap that emergency fund that they could get furloughed. That's the word, furlough. We've had furlough. Pay stops. Uh, no income comes in. That's what you need that three to six month emergency fund for. Um, to help prepare for the unexpected. Okay, financial wellness, step one, take control of your finances. Step two, prepare for the unexpected. Step three, make progress toward those long-term goals. You do that by trying to increase your savings and make the most of any tax advantage account. So we talked earlier about company retirement plans. Those are almost all tax advantage contributions to those types of plans go in um, tax deferred. So you get a tax break on the way in to those accounts. They grow tax deferred as well. So no taxation on the activity inside of company retirement plans. Uh, and that includes uh, IR, so 401ks, 403bs, 457tsp. Uh, the money is taxed on the way out, but because you have deferral, it can be a, a good tax savings tool along the way. Uh, after you've contributed to those plans, and especially if you could max out, contribute the maximum to those plans, then you want to look at other types of long-term retirement savings plans like an IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, that can get you some tax advantage uh, as well, in addition to the contributions that you make uh, to your company retirement plan. And then don't forget about those health savings accounts now. Um, we are big fans of health savings accounts. If you have a high deductible health plan, if your health plan qualifies as high deductible, then you are eligible to contribute to a health savings account. And, and some companies are getting savvy these days and are combining a high deductible health savings account with a health, uh, a high deductible uh, health plan, sorry, with a health savings account so that you can, uh, through your employer, um, pay for your health insurance, get a typically a subsidy from your employer for the health insurance and contribute uh, pre-tax money into your health savings account if you have one from work. If you don't have one for work, then much like an IRA, uh, as long as the health insurance plan qualifies as high deductible, then you can open up a health savings account uh, at other custodians who offer them. And what is a high deductible health plan? Well, for tax year 2023, if you're an individual uh, and your health plan uh, has a annual deductible of $1,500 or greater, then that qualifies. If you uh, have more than one person on the health plan in your household, that qualifies as a family plan. And then uh, your annual deductible needs to be $3,000 or greater in order to be qualified as a high deductible plan and then allow you to make contributions to a health savings account. So increase those savings, 
uh, accounts for those, uh, sa the savings to the accounts that you already have in effect, and then try to add to other types of vehicles as finances permit. Then beyond that, you know, you can save additional money in what we consider a regular old brokerage investment account. So ta it's, it's taxable account. You don't get a tax break for the money going into it and the tax activity, capital gains, uh, dividend distributions. Um, those things are taxable in those accounts or they're not sheltered, but they're also taxed at lower capital gains rates uh, as well. So if you invest properly and wisely, you can be very tax efficient in those uh, regular brokerage type of accounts. And then you want to make sure that um, you, you uh, use this money for goals other than health, retirement, and edu so education, it, or you have the ability to use them for goals other than health, retirement, education, because those accounts I previously talked about are set up for that. This is money that functions more like a bank account. You can put it in, invest it for a while, um, and then take the money out and then use it for whatever purpose you want without penalty. Uh, yes, there can be some tax implications, but again, depending on how you invest and use the accounts, it can be done very tax efficiently. After you take care of that, in order to make progress towards your long-term goals, you want to make sure you consider paying off lower interest rate debt. Remember, I said earlier, step one, taking control of finances, you're going to avoid high interest rate debt to begin with and try to pay off those credit cards monthly. Do not create a revolving balance. Um, and so if you do have other debts that are relatively low interest, then you want to consider maybe paying those off. Now, I would say for almost a decade, uh, this would was probably not a good strategy. I mean, interest rates were so low, um, especially mortgage rates, that uh, when you get really low interest rates, not all debt is bad debt. And really low cost borrowing um, sometimes can be beneficial and can help you grow your net worth faster if you utilize it properly. But just be aware that uh, in order to make progress towards those long-term goals, if you do have some lower cost interest debt, depending on how low it is, I'm, I would say anything below five, four or 5% is probably not something you need to rush to pay off, but anything five to 8% is still considered low in this environment. You might wanna consider paying that off uh, quicker. So maybe some car loans or personal loans would hit that level. And then finally, um, one of the things that you can do to help, uh, help make yourself feel completely financially well, set a strategy for charitable giving. Think through the benefits, timings, and amount of your gifts. Explore available ways to have the most impact. People who give of their time, their talents, and their treasure are some of the happiest people around. That's all the time we have for today. I'll be back in two weeks. I'm certified and financial planner Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for its content. 